Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Normally, this is a song where the both of us, uh, the both of us hosts here, uh, one of whom is me, Declan Kitchener, the other one you will hear in a second, uh, present songs to each other and sort of discuss uh, how they were written and what influences went into them. Uh, this is slightly different. Uh, we're discussing this episode. Um, one of us has been quite industrious and turned these songs into a full album. And I'll give you a hint. It's not me. Uh, it is, in fact, uh, my wonderful co-host, Roger Heathers. Hello there. Hello, 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 hello. Lovely to hello. Uh, talk to you all again. Hello, hello. Yes, welcome <laughs> to the show that you're on every episode of. <laughs> How's it going? I think that's true, actually. I think the only times we've not had, we've had, like, single hosts, I'm the one who's not there. So you are literally on more episodes than I am. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think those are, those are the ones where I was like, here's how to write a song in C major, and just, like, these are chords you can use and stuff. Um, which is something we've we should debating... have done together. Well, it's also, we've debated me doing, like, solo episodes, and I always go, yeah, we'll do it, and then just a year passes and nothing happens. <laughs> Well, as we talk about quite often on the show, like the fact that we both work full time and also have like projects outside of work and that sort of thing, it doesn't leave a lot of energy and time for kind of, you know, sinking into things outside of the normal podcast seasons, does it? Well, one of these projects uh, outside of the course of the normal remit of the Weekly Song podcast is Racing Alone, which is your 26th release? Something like that. Um, it depends Something how you like count that. them, I guess. <laughs> it depends if you oh, count lo- um, EPs and things like that. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so uh, it's released on the 26th of January, if I'm correct. And uh, if I've got the editing done in time, um, you'll hear future Declan, uh, if, if I haven't. Uh, it's today, <laughs> so you can go and, go and buy it um, or stream it or listen to it in whatever way you like. But we're going to have a bit of a chat today about some of the uh, some of the songs that have made their way to the project, and uh, you know what what uh, courses they've taken to get there. Um, I think for the most part they're all songs that have been on the podcast. Yes, I actually I think I love one... certainty in answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, the you know you we we write so many for the podcast, don't we? And uh, I think. The only one that raises an eyebrow for me is Marionette. But you might correct me and say that that was a podcast song. It was a long time ago, though. It could easily not be a podcast song, but uh, it could also be. It's, it's in that... Because that's the oldest song on, uh, oldest song on the project. Yes, yeah, it is. In fact, it's one that was lying around for ages, completely finished. And I was thinking about which songs to put on the album. And after a podcast recording one evening, we were here on Discord and we were talking, and I was going, "Oh, you know, I don't know what the what to do with this song." And I sent it to you, and you just, in your very affirming, friendly way, said, "Just put it on the album." Just use it. And I was like, okay. Because <laughs> you sort of had this one floating around for a while. And it's it, it's it's kind of the most zany song on the album. Yeah. Well, we spoke about this the other night a little bit. Like, not this song, but we were talking about, like, films and stuff, weren't we? And, like, 
uh, or not films, but like TV series, like a season of a TV show. And you were saying like sometimes, like with the anthology episodes of um, Futurama, and I was saying like, oh yeah, sometimes like an artist on a music production will just throw in a zany song just to like spice up or or you know diversify the track listing. And Marionette's very much that on this album. Uh, it's it, it's it's one of my favorites. I do just love when when you go a little bit mad. Um, you you <laughs> were saying that this one was basically complete beforehand um in the demo that you showed it to me uh initially have you added much to it uh as you've sort of uh brought it to uh the track list for this one funnily enough this is the most strange production this one so basically i wrote it for the podcast or not for the podcast i can't remember this was about i want to say five years ago longest um you know distance between um conception and putting it out and uh and this was on my old Mac, right? So I produced it up and I got it to a point where I was like, it's pretty good. Let's put it on SoundCloud, not even put it out on Spotify or anything. And it was fairly, fairly complete, but I wasn't that happy with it where I put it on an album. And then my old computer died and I lost everything on my hard drive. This was again, four years ago or so. And so all I had was soundcloud.com with my profile <laughs> and marionette was one of the tracks on my profile and so i sent you a link to that i think and the only way i could access it was to use one of those like um p- piracy websites where you um you post the url you paste the url into this you know you know very dodgy website and you could download an mp3 of it but i couldn't mix it because i didn't have the stems i just had this one mp3 so i i didn't add anything to it because <laughs> it's just one audio file oh, i love the fact that to get this on the record you had to pirate yourself <laughs> it's crazy isn't it it just oh, goes to show me. that i don't keep good records of my own my own music and are you going to start? <laughs> oh, maybe that'll be my 2025 resolution or something. Oh, dearie me. Oh, I, I do love this one quite a lot. It's, it's a very sort of bombastic tune. Um, it's probably the most in that direction on the record. Uh, another one in that vein is the uh, opener, You Had Your Chance. Why tell me now I'm gone? Can't you see I'm moving on? You had your chance, and now it's only a memory. You made your bet, it was only a matter of time. You had your chance, all while that you were waiting and asking God to light your life. Ah, uh, it's very much in the vein of like I've noticed quite a lot of albums start with a very strong song and i'm not saying that you had your chances like world changing or anything but it's the one that i felt the most confident about and for a very like um fair weather listener or somebody who's like who's this guy you know and they just press play on the album and they're going to give it 45 seconds of their time like it's it's a song that i feel like a lot happens in the first minute or so you know (laughs) Well, it's kind of like you use every trick in the toolbox initially. Like you've got all your um, extra synths and like the glockenspiel on there and like your expanded sound, as it were. And then very quickly you cut it back to your voice uh, to start the song proper, as it were. So it is very much announcing itself. Uh, I think that's quite nice structuring. 
Thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, I think it has a few things going for it. I like the chorus. The chorus is quite um, big, you know. And also I like something that we've spoken about on the podcast a lot of times is the perspective changes. So like in the first verse, it's talking about um, how I had this girlfriend and then I wasn't, you know, I wasn't as invested as I would like to have been. And so it fell apart. The second verse, I'm talking about a friend who I wanted to be closer to. Um, so the gender changes from she to he. And then in the bridge, I'm talking to an angel. So, you know, you kind of go through a lot of different... Um, uh, like... A lot of people having conversations in that song. A lot of chances being... Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty much. Oh, can I just say in the bridge as well, I love that electric piano sort of bit that comes in. That's really cool. Like, it's, it's very funky. I love it. You know what? That was the last thing to be added to the song. And I mean, like, about five minutes before I mastered the song and put it up on, you know, Spotify and everything. Um, This is something that you just do, though. Like, you just add things, like, just before you, like, send it off into the big wide world. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember when I was at uni, like, people, because I did a sound engineering course, there was a very, like, strict way of doing things. Like, you write the song and you rehearse it, and then you take it into the studio, and you spend a set amount of time in the studio, and then you have your stems, and then you mix them, or send them to mix, be mixed, and then you master, and then you're done. But for me, like, because I do everything myself, and I'm sure you're the same with this as well, like, you want to keep the process interesting throughout, because mastering can be quite a sort of um, clinical scientific process where you're not really being creative. So it's nice to have that wiggle room of like, you know what, I might just add a little harmony like very last minute or like a little synthesizer that no one but me will hear and uh yeah it's it's so it's a way to keep it interesting isn't it but then sort of like adding all of that to this song contrasts nicely with the second song on the record uh radio silent give me a reason to soothe you a moment to carry your favor Cover of darkness obscuring the light is perfect for slipping away. Mention my name in your good book. From going from this sort of everything in the kitchen sink approach, you sort of pair that right back down to a more complex tonality. It's like based around your voice and the acoustic guitar. Um, it's, I think I've seen this on a couple of your uh, records. Is this like one of your favorite things to do, like that one two punch? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, like, I don't know. You think about what's that one on Abbey Road, that one two punch of like, I think it's I want you. She's so heavy into here comes the sun. Am I got that right? I think that's like uh, side A and side B. But yes, when you listen to it like digitally, like you go from the most doom laden thing in the universe to, (laughs) oh, isn't it lovely? The sun's out. (laughs) Yeah, I like I like that contrast because it. Anything that kind of like pricks your ears up as the listener first time round, where you go, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Um, it just, it's quite exciting, isn't it, to hear something so different. And also, again, it's that maybe I have, you know, it's a self-esteem thing musically, but I feel like for anyone who's listening first time, I want to do everything I can for them to hear it and go, I'm getting a lot for my time. You know, I'm not just hearing three chords over and over again for the first eight minutes of the album i'm hearing maybe uh, a few different things 
It's I I know exactly what you mean. I would call that more being like just thoughtful with your construction of like how you're putting the whole thing together. But it is very much that thing of like, okay, I want to show that I'm exciting, but I also want to show that I know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you convey a lot in the first say ten minutes of an album. You know, you can convey. I mean, using so many different tools, the chords you're using, what your lyrics are about, what perspective your lyrics are from, um, tonally, production-wise, what you're doing, what your sonics sound like, what your drums are you know, mic'd like, all that sort of thing. So doing a lot with those first few minutes, I think, is really important. Talking of production, like there is kind of a cool trick that you use a couple of times on the record, like uh, particularly if you had your chance. But uh, it turns up in a few other places, like the damage is already done. Oh, great song, by the way. Today I think I'm gonna try it for myself. I figure I'm the same as everybody else. You tell me not to keep my heart up on the shelf, and I don't want to hear anymore from everyone. You can laugh. Pushing the production a bit more overblown on certain uh, parts, like uh, damage is already done, like you sort of have a bit more of a cooler like verse and pre-chorus and then you just blow it out in the uh choruses like this is not something i've heard so much from your production before like uh how did you sort of bring this sort of tool into your arsenal and am i just wrong and you've used it before loads of times actually (laughs) first of all you're the best and you ask cool questions and I really appreciate you um, <laughs> you noticing that. You know, seriously, seriously, that's, that's really lovely to hear. I mean, that is, like, you know, uh, full disclosure, that is just a, uh, the product of listening to Todd Rundgren almost exclusively this past year when I've really been, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, like, <laughs> producing the album. Uh, because uh, he has the, and I kind of, I've listened to interviews between listening to his albums, and he has this kind of philosophy of, just don't overthink getting the sounds like I mean like the guitar tones and the mic tones and things for the record and sometimes that results in his albums having really overly saturated drums or a vocal that you know any self-respecting engineer would go you got to do that again you know that's too you've set the game too high or something <laughs> oh it adds up to like a great effect on that one I also love to sorry while we're on um damage is already done I also love like the sort of interplay of the rhythmic elements, like because when you sort of hear it all together, like you almost get this like the darkness, like uh, loco down in acapulco sort of feel. But then when you start stripping all the bits of it out and putting them back together in the verses, like you're getting different emphasis. Like depending on like there's, I think in the second verse you've got the drums going mainly, and then the guitar featured in the third, and like bits coming in together, and like the bass adds a different feel to it. Um, how difficult was that to arrange, basically? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, the song itself was written, as a lot of them were, on acoustic first, so it was very straight ahead rhythmically. But then when I added the drums, uh, the drums have this sort of, like, I don't know what you call it. It's, it's not a straight ahead, dun dun ta dun 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 ta dun 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 ta apart from when you get to the choruses. But in the verses, it's like, dun dun ka dun dun ka dun dun ka dun dun ka Almost like a sort of, um, I don't know, salsa type of thing going on. And that informed the rhythm. Uh, it's amazing like when you write a song like that, because just hearing the guitar, because this was a podcast song, hearing the guitar, mm. I think we were thinking like maybe it could be something more like 
Foo Fighters he based or something like that, or like maybe taken in a different way. But when you add the drums doing that sort of rumbaesque rhythm sort of thing, like it 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 does sort of point it in a different direction. Yeah, yeah, it it really does. Um, I think the the rhythm really came first with producing the damage is already done because, like I say, you had that kind of unusual drum beat, and then that was tracked about three years ago. And then about six months before we're recording this podcast, I added another drum kit, um, my new drum kit, which I now have in my place, and that does a slightly more straightforward beat. And then there's percussion on top of that. So the whole rhythmic sort of tapestry beneath it kind of informs the song in a way that isn't just like a rock song, which it very much could be. Yeah, it's kind of using those extra elements to sort of give it its own additional flavour. Like which there's there's quite a lot of on this record. I, I just whilst we're still on um damages already, we will talk about other songs, I swear. Um <laughs> But like I love the fact that the the bridge on that one is like a non lyrical bridge. Like it is very definitely a bridge, but like no new information is conveyed vocally other than like the melodies. Like I think that's kind of a cool little cool little feature. Yeah, I mean in a way, that's kind of a, a leaf I've taken from your book over the years. I remember when you used to send me songs, demos, when we first met, there would always be a set not always, but sometimes there'd be a section where you'd be like, this is the guitar solo, or this is the instrumental section. And the, the idea of baking in an instrumental section to the actual structure of a song had never really occurred to me. So that was kind oh. of uh, one of them. Which is something that I think you've started to sort of... Um use a bit more definitely in our conversations on the podcast like you've talked about like taking time to sort of have moments in uh have moments in a record where you can just sort of experiment and have some time to see what happens like am i am i correct in saying uh that's true of something like blink and it's gone where it's got that massive middle section in it where you sort of just let it build and build and build I mean, Blink and It's Gone is the, is the best example of that, where, I don't know, like those instrumental sections in songs, I feel like you have much more room to experiment, because with a verse, with words and a melody and certain chord changes, it's quite prescriptive as to like what you should do with that. If you know it's in a certain style, you know you need these sort of drums and a bass line that's... Um, uh, you know, sort of suitable to that and not really showing off. But with instrumental sections... Like in Blink and It's Gone, you can go, oh, I wonder what instruments I could add. I could add in some Mellotron, I could add in some Glockenspiel, and... Uh... Add in several clocks as well. Like, <laughs> I don't know why you thought that was a good idea, but it definitely works, and it was a good idea. <laughs> well, that was uh, about two weeks before the album was due to be, um, you know, to go to the distributors, to go to Spotify and everything. And I was listening to the mixes in the bath on my laptop, and because because yeah ooh. and because uh, like one thing that you know they recommend doing sound engineering people and stuff is 
don't just listen on one set of speakers, but listen on, you know, in your car, on your laptop, on your phone, because that's where people might be hearing your record for the first time. So I was taking a well, bath and um, and I was listening to that and it just occurred to me, like, because I think because you get more of a tinny sound through the laptop speakers and I kind of almost could hear that there should be a clock, especially with the theme of the song being time passing. Well, it works beautifully, particularly when it's sort of speeding up halfway through and you think, oh, hang on, wait a minute, what's going on? But it's so true what you say about like um, sort of listening to something on various speakers, like this uh, Wasting Light uh, documentary, uh, where Butch Vig actually does this, like he says, my car stereo is terrible, and it's and it's that way so that I can test the mix on it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I've got to watch that documentary again. That was really is that um, on back and forth? Uh, yes, yeah, I think it. I think it's on the special features. Citation is needed. I mean, I've got to mention as well, while we're on Blink and It's Gone, this is one of the tracks that you play on. And um, just after I added that clock, I sent it to you because I've been trying to come up with a baseline for it for a long time, on and off, just trying different things. Couldn't come up with anything. And I thought Declan always has good ideas. So sent it over. That's and then you. S- it is not a lie at all, actually. And uh, <laughs> you sent back, you were like, I tried to do something with the clock. So your baseline. Because the clock's like tick, 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 and then it goes tick, 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 tick. And your bass line mimics that in the bridge, and uh, which is just genius, which is so cool. It adds a whole other layer of dimension to the song. Uh, that was more like, with the bass, what you're always trying to do is like um, be the translator between the melodic instruments and the percussion. So like something like that is like, okay, cool. We can add a bit of drama to this bit. Let's speed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you say drama, which is interesting because like the final product, once the bass is added and the clock's there and all that sort of thing, it is quite dramatic and quite driving, really. Whereas on the original lead sheet that I wrote, because I wrote all these songs out on lead sheets. I've never done this before, but so I could see the lyrics and the chords the whole time I was producing the songs, which helped me be more like cohesive with it. And um, in that middle section, like originally, like if you listen back to the weekly song podcast version of it, it's very, very quiet for a long time. And that was just me on the lead sheet. I just wrote breathe, you know, just like, just relax. I remember I get, this. Yeah. Cause I get so tense when I'm recording. <laughs> I love the idea that you sort of have to sort of mentally remind yourself to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because uh, you know how it is when the red light's on you're recording and you're trying to get a take, your whole body can tense up and you get nervous and it affects the performance. But it, it comes out so well on that one, particularly when you add like your guitar solo on that one and like all the expansive elements and like the vocals, your background vocals on that one are absolutely amazing where they're sort of, there's this sort of tapestry of them slightly overlapping each other. And that's really cool to me. I quite like that. Did I ever tell you you're quite good at music and you're a good singer? Um, <laughs> Same to you. This is too mushy. Most people have just like turned off at this <laughs> point. <laughs> well, I mean, I said to you before we started recording, I, I'm always a little reticent to do these type of episodes that are like about something I've made or something. I like doing when it's something you've made because then the spotlight's not on me or whatever, but... I was saying, like, hopefully, like, there's some informative <laughs> stuff, like, that, you know, some something to think about. I don't know. I mean, in terms of making your own music and stuff, but. 
Uh, I, I, I believe that is so. Um, so probably from the most sophisticated song on the record to arguably the least, but also one of the most energetic, um, <laughs> uh, Hot Tide. I remember ah. this song from the Weekly Strong podcast. Um, my, I've made a couple of notes for all of the songs as we're going through all of this, and my first note is just "yeehaw." Um, <laughs> so, Roger, "yeehaw." <laughs> yes, indeed, "yeehaw" is is the word. It really is. I mean, it was one where it's kind of like marionette in the sense that it's like an outlier. In terms of style, where everything else is either a ballad or a straight ahead of rock song in some in some aspect, this one was like, I think I said this on the podcast, but just to like for anyone who didn't hear it, the writing of this song was the day after playing a gig where I was like one of three acoustic acts on a lineup, and I I'm so sorry to this guy because because I can't remember his name, but he played before me and he did like bluegrass music and it's not something i'm that familiar with um bluegrass and it was all this sort of like really fast paced stuff with like little guitar licks and like very um americana feeling or something like that and i i kind of went back home the next day and for that i think probably sunday night or something like that i needed to get a song written so i thought i'll write something in the style of that bluegrass thing and like really make it as fast and upbeat as I can. So the drums are going at it. The bass is just going crazy. And uh, that was a lot of fun to record. There was no hesitation or anxiety around recording that song. It was just fun. Oh, fantastic. That's what I like to hear. Like you say, this one's a bit of an outlier, like Marinette. We're sort of jumping around the record today. We're not really discussing it in order, but uh, does that sort of, its contrast to the rest of your song list sort of dictate its placement to a great extent or is it is there sort of any through line you can sort of draw with like everything that you've been putting on the record oh that's a good point it's just a case of pacing like i don't know um if you have two really serious songs in a row it makes sense to follow those two with one that's like a bit of a palate cleanser or a bit zany or something. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, you had your chance, Radio Silence and Hogtide, like those three together sort of show the three predominant moods on the album, I think, which is kind of a nice like taster package. Like if someone likes those three, they're going to like the rest of it. I didn't think of it like that, but that's a good point. I think for me, like it's almost a self-conscious thing of like, um, like say a, a song like The Damage Is Already Done which you know you were really flattering about um, that's one where me personally I can notice things on it that I would have liked not even to have done again how do I put it just like I'm not quite as confident as that about that song as I am about say Hogtide whereas Hogtide was so such a free experience such a fun recording session that it just felt so right to put it at the beginning because it's like yeah I, i'll stand behind this you know 
I like I like the sort of implication that the further to the front it is, the more and more you like it. Um, but everything on here <laughs> is amazing, and like we've we've discussed on the podcast before. But like you're always going to notice more things about your own uh, your own work because you know what's gone into it. Um, but mm. I, I, I love the sort of variety of things that we have here. Like um, it it feels a bit broader than uh, the whole thing. Racing alone feels probably a wee bit broader than some other like. EPs and projects that you've uh, put out before. Is that a conscious effort or is that just kind of how things have like landed this time? Well, I mean, that's a good point, actually. I mean, I think this album, although it was very like comprehensive in the sense that I was thinking about this record the whole time, it was definitely quite a compilation in a way because I've recorded so many songs over the past two years. This album's really been in production that I just chose my 10 favorites that were like half complete and then completed them. And yeah, I've had albums like, um, I put out an album a few years ago called Grimm, which is very acoustic. Like there's not a drum kit on the album. And then I put out other albums that are much more um, rock driven on the whole. Whereas I wanted to kind Mm. of make an album that was like, like all sides, you know, the the unusual and, and the rocky and the ballads and all that kind of thing, um, because I thought it would make the most varied album. Um, and Plus, the small listenership I have, I think, has different favourites from what I've heard. It's, yeah, it's kind of, you've got such a broad sort of uh, sort of set of areas that you can sort of move your music into that, like, it, there's bound to be something here for for anybody i think uh like I, I i do just kind of love the idea that this is kind of like a greatest hits for songs that no one's heard before that's a, <laughs> that's a very fun way to think about it i think um and yeah. in terms of like greatest hits like I, I probably need to mention jet black sky which has got a very 1960s feel to it it's got like a very lemon twigs feel to it there's got to be a way through the dark But you're telling me there ain't no light No, there ain't no signs to be seen In the valley of the jet black sky Which I know that you're a massive fan of theirs. Like, was that a particular influence on that one, or is that just uh, just just the way that you sound, as it were? <laughs> um, I mean, that one has got a definitely more '60s feel, and it's like I think because I knew it was quite a traditional song in terms of structure and everything, like produced it not too weird. Um, but the Lemon Twigs thing, I I think that's definitely seeped into like. The, my tastes a lot but i was just speaking about that album grim a few years ago and that's when i really first got into them and particularly brian's dario's writing and so i can hear like like that lemon twigs influence all over those songs where i've not even like i've tried to go away from that but i feel like it's kind of um it's like if you're making a soup right and you you go oh wow I've never seen this spice before and you put the whole jar in and that's all you can taste for a while whereas now it's mixed in with lots of different other things. It's quite strong on this song, but yes, you're absolutely right. Like the <laughs> whole record, like uh, sort of 
brings more of everything that you've uh, sort of gathered over the years. Like, have you, are you okay? Did something fall over? <laughs> I hit my knee on my piano. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, we won't be getting any more knee music uh, on the next <laughs> record. <laughs> no, no more playing oh, spoons dear. on my knees. Uh, uh, maybe not spoons, but we do have strings on this record on. I don't know why. I loved this song when we uh, first heard it on the podcast. And I think what you've done here is a perfect translation from that onto uh, a fully produced uh, record. Was it kind of, it sounds like it was a really simple process to sort of bring out the more recorded version of it. Was that the case? Or was uh, was there any difficulty to this one? It was really easy. Um like and that's good to hear (laughs) yeah it was not the case with like most of the other songs on the on the album most of them took months of loving them and then listening again and hating them and going bloody hell what am i thinking with that vocal and let me do that again and let me try the bass again let me try this again but with i don't know why it was just it's the demo it's the weekly song podcast demo the only difference is that yeah yeah um the the two guitars the lead acoustic guitar and the lead vocal are the podcast demo that I recorded in like 25 minutes just before we podcasted. Oh, wow. I, I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's mixed a little bit more in the, in, in the sense that like, oh, I added a bit of reverb to the lead vocal. But the only other things I added to that were um, I did a bass guitar and I added kick drum just to kind of accent the one of the bar where the bass comes in. And I did the kick drum just by... I just set up the microphone ne- next to my drum kit and I just like knelt on the floor and uh, doing the beater, the kick drum beater was too loud. So I just like tapped the kick drum head and that's how I got that. And oh, then the, that's cool. And the strings were my dad's idea. So um, I sent the the album in its like semi-complete form to my dad and um, he's very like... Um, would you call it honest? <laughs> so like that he's great to send things to because if he doesn't like something, he'll go, that doesn't work. Like try something else or something like that. He's not mean at all, but like he, you just know you'll get a real opinion. Yes. Like there's no disguising like uh, what he thinks about anything in the best possible way. Exactly. Which is quite nice actually. And he said, oh, you should add strings to this. And I'd kind of been considering it. I said, oh, yeah. And he said, yeah, add them in. And he gave me the timestamp, 40 seconds or something. And it's like halfway through verse two, which to me, that seems so... I was like, are you sure you got the timestamp right? Because to me, I think quite um, symmetrically, musically, if you know what I mean. Like, I think if strings are going to come in, they come in at the start of a section of a verse or a chorus. He said, have them come in halfway through verse two and i did and it really works because you kind of aren't expecting them and then they come in and uh for that uh ascending vocal section the do, do, do. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah and i've got to give props to uh miguel vargas who's uh a fantastic string arranger and i think he played all the strings on, on this um it's just three violins and uh 
interestingly, the cello player that because I he's worked on strings for a couple of my previous albums too. The cello arranger, oh the cello, the cellist, I should say, who usually plays cello. The cello person. The, yeah, the cello person wasn't available for some reason or another, and I said because I was in a rush. It was like because I leave things to the last minute. It was eight days of before course. the album came was supposed to come out, and and I said no, no, don't worry. I just need strings. You know, and I was much more polite than that, and I said. I'll think of something. And so that's where the bass guitar came from, just to have something in the low end of the song. Oh, that, it, it's, it works out really cool, though, because you get that mix of textures. Uh, Miguel Vargas, did you say? That's right, yeah. Yeah, well done, mate. Sick. Killed it. One out of one. Um... I know, right? It's just so good. <laughs> just so tasteful and dramatic. And, and he did... Also, he did... St- well, you got me excited now. Like... The thing he did with the strings that I was so excited about when I heard them was that when I... I can't even think of what chords it would be, but when I go to a minor chord, he won't just arrange the three violins to play the first, third, and fifth of the minor chord. He'll, like, keep the top line playing, like, the eighth. And and basically, to kind of, like, dispel that a little bit, it kind of, like, makes these really weird, like, cinematic suspensions in the song... And when I heard them in isolation, because he sent me the MIDI tracks or something when he'd arranged them just so I could, you know, give notes. And he, he said, I was like, I, I'm sorry, mate. It's beautiful, but I don't think it works. And he said, you know, let me try it. And uh, then he recorded them and sent them back. And like hearing them with the chords, I was like, oh, wow. I never would have thought of that suspension, which is the lovely thing about collaborating. It, it's just that nice sort of thing whenever you get someone else on your music and they bring something out of it and you think... Oh, this is so much better now. <laughs> I know. It's just the best. I mean, that's what I loved about making uh, our first album together. The Schnookums album is is that we. I think we both did that for each other, where I would normally be set in my ways and think, oh, this is how this section should be quite quiet, you know? And you go, no, make it into a <laughs> gospel choir. And because it's a collaborative <laughs> thing, I was like, Okay, I mean, it's 50-50 choices, so yeah, sure. And then we did it, and I'm like, that's so much better. But then at the same time, like, uh, you know, you do actually know what you're talking about. And, like, when you get to things like, okay, can we have, like, harmonies that do this and that? No, Declan, but we can have them that do this and do that, and that's going to be really cool. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Yeah. It's a give and take, I guess. Uh, It's so much fun, though. I do want to collaborate more. Um... But talking about like the sort of sophisticated textures we're getting on this one, um, down for the count. At one time, I could be open, as calm as an ocean, as bright as a day, and then a life can topple me over, and then I'm alone at the end of the day. It starts off with a very... I, I don't know how this sounds to yourself, but for me, the sort of synths uh, on the beginning of it give it a very unique timbre up until they sort of, like, uh, sort of give way on the that's what you get when you da-da-da-da sort of uh, moment of it. Yeah, that was... It's a weird texture, isn't it? I almost didn't keep them. But the song, in its demo form... Like the whole intro is just a C chord on the guitar, really, really straightforward. 
And it was just that with a vocal on top. But something about that guitar tone, the performance was fine, but the guitar tone itself was quite... It it lacked colour, like the actual recording of the guitar. And so I was thinking, what Mm. could I add to it? And I think I'd just gotten a new keyboard that week and... I wanted to use I see, it. I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, so hence there it is, you know. Oh, it does uh, It does work really well to sort of delineate that as a different section and sort of build anticipation. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, That's it's down for the count the longest song on the record. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Because you sort of have the chance to sort of go back and revisit sections of the song more often than you do on others so there's lots of different elements that are coming and going how was that to sort of juggle for that like uh, sort of what to bring in what to take out when to sort of heighten it and when to lower it it was all kind of intuitive really you know sometimes you just have that sort of feeling of this is what should happen i mean usually i have no shame about like you know it's if it's a straightforward pop song i have no problem with it being intro verse chorus verse chorus chorus end but with this one, it didn't make sense for that to happen because it starts with verse one, that acoustic synthy part you were just talking about. And then the chorus, it didn't make sense for the chorus. And then I'm alone. Actually, no, it does do that. It goes verse, chorus, but acoustic. And then you'd think you'd go into a verse, but then I needed a joining section. So that's where you get that. That's where you. That's what you get when you're dragging behind section. And then that made sense to go into a verse and then into a chorus but then that chorus couldn't just go back into a verse. It needed to go into something else. So there's a guitar solo, which I'm just describing the whole structure, which is probably very boring to listen to. But essentially I'm saying it was kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. It's like that part that normally goes with section B doesn't work. That's weird. So like, I guess this will go here. And then before I knew it, the song was it's like four and a half, five minutes long or something like that. So just embraced it, I guess. But it kind of like it's interesting here you sort of logic that out. Okay, so this has got to go to there, so this has got to get bigger and then it's got to get smaller and then it's got to go over here and then it's got to do all of this. Like it it's I, I sort of I do get what you mean by that sort of intuitive sort of sometimes you just have a gut feeling about a song. And you just think that needs to happen there. I don't know why, but something is telling me <laughs> yeah it's like it's like you're making a soup right and you have this spice up here you know you've <laughs> seen before and you go this doesn't belong here but uh we'll, we'll put in this one and we'll put it on that one later um but inter- the uh, interesting bit at the end of that song which i have a couple of moments on the album because i mean i'm sure you're the same with this i'm curious actually like but sometimes i overthink the arrangement and the production of a song where I won't really leave much room for improvisation on an album. Whereas the end of the song, when it goes acoustic and it starts to die down, it's completely first take, improvised, messing around on the guitar, playing a little noodly solo thing. And uh, it's an, just a, allowing It's another one of those improv- breathe moments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, just trying to bake in those moments. Because um, I... I didn't do this really on this album, but I think I might do um, next time or on the next Schnookums album or something or suggest it for a song, perhaps, which is I read about some people back in the 70s, particularly when people were recording on tape and had more tracks to play with. They would say they had an instrumental section that went on for 16 bars, 
they would just jam that as a band for like eight minutes and then they go they go into the studio with a razor blade as it was at the time and they go which 16 bars works best out of this sprawling fun improvisational jam and let's just use those 16 bars you can tell it was the 70s can't you (laughs) (laughs) razor blades everywhere and everything yeah (laughs) but like that the the excess of it and everything like but it's it's kind of interesting because we've sort of jammed a couple of things out like that recently to sort of try and give it uh songs that we're working on a bit of structure it's an interesting thing. It's difficult to work it into the recording process, so it's cool that you've managed to sort of get that into the outro. Yeah, I'd like to expand on it a lot more. I think we, yeah, you're right. We actually did expand on that idea quite a bit when we recorded the drums and bass together for our next EP. And we recorded like the same song quite a few times, and then we went back and took like whole takes and went, okay, the chorus of this works well but not the bridge. Let's use the bridge from take four. And then you get kind of a more dynamic feel to the to the edit. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun when things like that happen. Talking of playing uh, bass and drums at the same time, uh, a short chain. Um, these these segues are amazing, Declan. Well, fantastic. I've, um, <laughs> I, I've, I've successfully linked between all songs. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of forgot that I played bass on this one. <laughs> I, can't be honest. I mean, we must until, have recorded this. Until five minutes before we started this, right? <laughs> yeah, because like, I play something on this. And I said, I only play that. And you're just like, no, Declan, you play the bass as well. I thought that was you. No, it's you. <laughs> well, I had to I had to second guess myself. I was like, wait a second. Was that me? Because, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, we recorded this together, I don't know, two years ago? Maybe a little bit less, a year and a half, maybe? It's quite some time ago. Like, um... But yeah, it was uh, the two of us in, was it uh, in Minehead? That's right, Minehead Eye, which is a youth centre where before I had my own place, um, they have a drum kit there and you can you know book an hour or two and go in and, and record. And, uh, and we went in there and we tracked together as we like to do. And uh, the only reason that I remembered it was... Not the only reason, but like because it's been so long <laughs> and we didn't have video of it, is at the end of the track... You can hear me go, what do I say? Like something like, you know, one more time. Do you want to go around like again? Yeah. Do you want to go around again? And, uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then we did go around again. But uh, I remember us, um, when you said that, I suddenly remembered us like working to make those chorus sections, like build and build and build, uh, which I think we sort of worked out between us on the day. Um, but this, this oh, is yeah. a great song. I, I do like how this has turned out. There's kind of like this, cool mix of like more traditional rock band instruments in there and then some some slightly weirder stuff and like the expanded uh sort of textures that you have going on uh particularly if you listen to the first chorus uh in comparison to the second chorus like one of them is a bit more weird than the other 
but like they're both really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I definitely think that if you got two different two choruses that have the same words, it's worth you know contrasting them somehow. But yeah, I'm you're reminding me that we did do that, didn't we? We on the day worked out that they should build, and again, that's something that I never would have thought of. Um, and another thing on that track that you did really well, I thought was the bass lines really solid and by that i mean it doesn't really when the riff is going the that part you're not playing the riff too you're not playing that melody whereas because maybe in my uncreative brain i would have thought like i'll just play the same thing the guitar is playing where you kind of like anchor the song um thank you Uh, i wish i could tell you my thought process but this is (laughs) About a year and a half ago, so I I can't quite remember <laughs> what the logic was. <laughs> well, all um, we know is we got the record of it, and it sounds cool. Yeah, that is really cool, that one. Uh, one thing I have noticed on the uh, recording is that there is a bit of a drum machine in there, which, oh. um, yeah. Uh, is that, um, like, uh, something that's hidden throughout the record, or is it just on a uh, short chain? It's just on a short chain, Um it's probably long lost to the internet now, but I, I did a kind of breakdown of of the drums on this track on my stories because it was a really cool sounding like stack of percussion I had going on. So we recorded the drums and bass together, and that was the very first you know rhythm track. Um, and then I got back, and because we recorded to a grid, I mean, i.e., to a click track where you could see where the bars were on the screen so it wasn't freeform and improvised in in on the day. I could then I- import um, a drum sequence from just a, like a cheap Casio keyboard I have. So you have this like drum sample and, uh, <laughs> and that kind of like, that worked with the drums so I added that in and then a few months ago I added a second drum kit in my new drum kit um, with a much more, like, accenting the snares that weren't accented the first time round, and then added percussion on top of that. So the whole sort of tapestry of what's going on with the drums was really kind of like, you know, that is literally two years in the making. <laughs> but it builds up to this wonderful picture, uh, like which, like we were saying before, it's sort of you've got the sort of more traditional elements in there, but you've also got like the weirder stuff as well. Like there's some very nice phasered guitars in there, which sound really, really cool. What's that thing you play on this? Because in my Logic folder, it's called Organista Declan. Ah, yes, um, it is an organ uh, setting on my electric piano, um, put through. I believe it's a ring modulator, which ah. is the thing that they use for doing the Dalek voice. Um, and it sounds <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> it's so bizarre. I I thought it was a guitar until just now. Uh, well, I mean, like uh, the the clue was in the name, wasn't? Uh, but like, I I I think you send this along to me to sort of like, could you put something on it? I thought, what's the most ugly thing that I can put on <laughs> that will have some value? 
Um, What's the most disgusting thing there. to spite my friend's record? I'll think of the war track. Yeah, I think it works great. No, but... <laughs> well, it's, a bit like, it, it's horrible, but it works, I think. <laughs> yeah, it totally works. It's it's a weird little sound. It's um, Yeah, it's kind of got like a warbly texture to it. Um, but you bed that in with like... Um... All the other sort of synths you got that are a bit more clean, and then, like, say, you've got the phaser guitars, and then you've got the whole production around it. Like, it, you bury it in there in just the right spot to make it really sort of work its work its thing. Like, everything in a mix has to be a balance. How much did you mm. hate me when I gave you something that trebly? <laughs> so much. <laughs> 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 seriously when, when i first got that i was i listened to it solo because you know, obviously you send over the stem so you just hear the individual track and i listened to it, i was like oh that's a cool tone yeah yeah cool dropped into the project listened to it in contact i was like what the fuck am i supposed to do with that <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh dear oh i'm glad you were able to sort of work it in though like uh, talking of mixes what would probably be the most challenging mix on the record um uh because obviously like we've got a wide range of things that we've uh sort of you know got assembled for the whole thing here what do you think is probably the one where you've had to work the hardest Ooh, um first one that comes to mind is uh blink and it's gone because it's so dense it does kind of like explode halfway through with like little biddies going on and like uh like shakers and clocks and like synthesizers and like your textures and everything, it 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 does kind of like I I can imagine getting lost very easily in there. Yeah, it was it was a lot. I mean, let me just have a look at because I'm at my computer. Uh, I've got the project and I'll just uh, I'll see if I can read off a few of the tracks that are in it. So we got a regular drum kit, fine. And then we got actually we got oh. a drum machine drum machine in this as well, which is doing a similar thing to in a short chain, but it's like it's not a little Casio keyboard, it's like like eighties roto uh synth drums like boo boo boo. And you, if you listen you can hear those kind of like oh. go in the left and right headphone. And then there's like a whole track of like because I felt like the drums weren't um like full enough by the time it all really kicks in after the bridge. So I recorded um, in the same way that you and I often will record the same vocal line, you know, numerous times and then export that to different tracks. And then you've got this giant choir thing. I did that with claps as well. So I've got like a ton of claps just like. Ah. And so that I mean, we haven't even gotten onto the, anything melodic yet. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and there's just so much. There's probably like 50 vocals um and i think uh there's mellotron organ three or four different guitars the the guitar part i'm just remembering now it's all coming back to me um i got this little amp reminisce bring these thoughts out like i I remember i i I went to a car boot sale and i saw this little um practice amp you know like those little five or ten watt things but it wasn't one that i'd really seen before it's called um, Small Giant, the brand, which I... Ne- have you heard of that? No, never. There's this weird little lamp. It's got three um, controls on the front. You've got um, 
vibrato is the first one which is bizarre um and then you've got tone and volume and the tone knob turns the amp on so when it's at no tone the amp is off so it doesn't really make any sense and then you turn it on so you have to have some tone for the amp to even be active and but the the beautiful thing with it with this um is the sorry i said vibrato but i meant tremolo it has this lovely type of tremolo and that's the main guitar you can hear and that's the guitar that i wrote a song on um i might have said this on the podcast episode but it was written in a funny tuning um where i used only the top four strings of the guitar in terms of pitch and i tuned them d uh d f sharp a d so i tuned it to a d chord and so you've got this kind of weird open tuning sort of and that's where the funny suspensions come from it's sort of it almost sounds like it's in an open tune. well it is but like um it also sort of doesn't have like any tells like open tuning songs you can sometimes like just tell by listening to them that you know they were conceived of in a particular way whereas this just sounds like a good song like, oh, I, I, I think that's really cool yeah i know what you mean <laughs> they it's all like... sound like a good song <laughs> but there is that distinction isn't there with like particularly things like open tunings and a big one is um alternate time signatures like if somebody writes a song in you know five four like the my favorite five four songs are things like take five by dave brubeck quartet or um money actually is that five four there's an argument around that that's seven four of course it isn't it what am i thinking of (laughs) anyway but my point is that um the good ones just work they you don't really think about it you just go yeah it's that riff whereas like when it's on purpose it's like yeah you're you're trying to do that you know what i mean (laughs) It's it's the difference between oh that's a cool song and saying no this is a good song because it's in a weird time signature <laughs> or this is a good song because it's in a weird tuning where it's just like ultimately that doesn't matter the tune itself is the thing that matters and it's really good I really like I really like all of this this is a really strong uh, release uh, how long has this been in the works again mm, two years like I said Marionette's five years old but it's not like I've been working on it the whole time that I just rediscovered it so two years i just love the image of you just like looking at the mp3 of marionette going like but there's something else that needs to go on (laughs) (laughs) it's just missing that one thing i just need to change the eq one little bit oh it's funny i i um almost did a beatles now and then on it in a way (laughs) because ai well you nearly like got the ai voice out of it or something (laughs) yeah pretty much pretty much because i had the mp3 and there's um i mean i think the only options at this you know at date of recording are are paid options but there's like stem separators now where you can just feed it an mp3 and it gives you here's the drums here's the bass here's the vocal so i was gonna try and do that but i thought nah yeah, so it's it's kind of if you're trying to sort of match it because you've got it into like a quite a good spot already. So like, you know, it it just sounds cool, and it and although it's the outlier, it does kind of fit in with everything else. The only thing I would have changed, I think, is I probably would have redone the lead lead vocal because it's because it's baked in with the guitar and everything else. The first verse is a little pitchy, which that's the thing I'm the most self conscious about on anything I put out is pitchy vocals so the the rest of the vocals on the album if i had any doubt i just did them again or i did a certain section again whereas with um marionette um yeah first verse is a bit pitchy so i mean you know 
but just one little section. I don't, I don't hear that. I can definitely hear that it's a younger voice, but then I've known you for a while, and I I know how your voice is like subtly shifted over the years. Um, and I, I can tell that it's a younger voice, but it's a younger voice that is singing in tune, so you have no need to fear. Oh, thank you. Oh, I Don't just remembered as fear. well. One reason it might sound younger, I mean, one reason is because it was done in the past, but another reason is because... Yes. Um... <laughs> well, that's a pretty good reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Um, another reason, though, is that I used very speed on the masters on this album quite a lot, so I just remembered um, on Marionette, um, the only thing I could really affect, because I didn't have the stems, was the um, pitch and speed of the actual entire song. So I think it's about 3% faster than how I found it and higher pitch. So if you want to, if you want to know how it sounded originally, just 3% down is what we're saying. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I, I think that just came from, again, just being self-conscious about the vocal. But, but I will say, you know, songs like You Had Your Chance, that was like increase it by 3% or 4% or something. And just because it adds a little bit more... I, I don't know, excitement to it or something, because well, there's less gaps between the beats, I guess. Well, it's an old uh, producing technique, like just speed up the recording very slightly, and it just adds a bit more uh, sort of oomph to it. That's why sort of you have songs that are sort of halfway between key signatures uh, on recordings, things like um, Here Comes the Sun is like slightly out of key. Um, Hammer to Fall by Queen, that's slightly out of key. And I'm, I'm sure there are more that I've just completely forgotten, but like that's why they're out of key. It's because they've just yeah. been sped up slightly, and it makes it really aggravating for to learn by ear as a guitarist. Doesn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, do, around in, like, do you ever like program. pick up your guitar to play along with you know something on on a CD or something, and you go, "Is my guitar out of tune?" You have to like bend it slightly to get it in tune. You're like, "No, no, it's it's that damn Brian May." <laughs> yeah it's that damn george martin just turning the dial up on his console a little bit why <laughs> keep your hands off your knob george martin i wow <laughs> <laughs> not a sentence i thought we'd say today but here we are no but his sentence has ended up there ah, so i th- I think we've covered most of the songs on well we've covered all of the songs on the album um mm-hmm. is there anything uh else to sort of like add around uh around the project as a whole only that um and this isn't just me plugging it is kind of but i i will say as well i've got half a mind because we're recording this a little ahead of when it comes out i've got this song called replacement which i think was a weekly song which is pretty much fully produced which i'm thinking of making a bonus track you know for a band camp only sort of thing so like an 11th track but uh, that'll probably happen. That'll probably happen. And if I can find demos too, I might have a route around on my hard drive and see if I can find some demos of of songs and, you know, kind of make a second disc, so to speak, you know. Oh, what you do then is you release it uh, a year later uh, as the expanded ah. edition. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Just, I really yeah. have the following for an expanded edition. Who am I? ELO. Oh, I I really love this uh, record. I've been listening to it most of the day and uh, over the past couple of days as well. I I think it's probably the strongest set of songs that you've uh, that you've put out. Um, oh, thank uh, you. Where can oh shocks? Uh, where can people uh, where can people find it uh, out in the big wide world? Well, first and foremost, if you got this far through the podcast, just listening to us 
rant on about all this stuff um i would encourage you to go to bandcamp because um you know um as an independent musician it's it's the one place where you can um you can earn some money back on things like mastering and artwork and all the things that go into making an album and it will go towards making the next album and like i say there'll probably be some bonus tracks on there as well so uh bandcamp first and foremost exclusive Oh, that's uh, rogerheathers.bandcamp.com, R-O-G-E-R-H-E-A-T-H-E-R-S.bandcamp.com. And of course, it'll also be on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer. Um, there'll be a full YouTube stream, like a full YouTube album stream. And um, yeah, I mean, just all the normal places. Wherever you do listen to music, it's there as well. <laughs> so Racing Alone, 26th of January. Uh, listen to it buy it um have it on discuss it share it uh create video essays on it uh i, I don't know what create fan art well, i don't know what people do with with create erotic fan fiction day. about me <laughs> cut that out you heard it here first <laughs> keeping that in <laughs> um but yeah um yeah I, yeah definitely have a listen um buy it stream it and um I feel like also it's worth saying definitely sharing indie music helps a ton. You know, word of mouth is a really powerful tool. If if you've got a friend who likes rock music, just go, "Hey, I've listened to this thing. I kind of dig it. You might like it." That helps a ton. So, um, so yeah, um, I hope people like it. Oh, fantastic! Well, I like it, and uh, you've been hearing clips from it all the way through, so you should know by now if you like it, go listen to it. Um. Yeah, it. I, 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 I am really looking forward to sort of having some juicy, juicy wavs of uh, all of these when I buy it on Bandcamp. Um, uh, so we will be back at some point in the year with a brand new podcast season, shan't we? Yes, probably early-ish in the year. February, March, April but, time, something like that. We won't say for we, sure yet, but it won't be long. Because we, we be don't long. know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It won't be long, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it won't be long, yeah. Till we will write a song. Ah, uh, but it's it's been a lot of fun having a good old chat with you about some music that you've recorded. Oh, uh, thank you so much oh, for, for asking. Thank you so much for asking and asking nice questions and just being a good friend about it. I really do appreciate it. Fantastic. Well, please come back to the show uh, again at some other point. Um, it's not as if you're here all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see you later in the year. And with that, I think we should probably wrap up. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.